Hello, Teresa here. Thank you so much for joining me on Beautifully Naive. Today, uh, joining me is Jen Schur. I've been working with Jen for a few months on unpacking my baggage around money, getting clear on some money goals, and feeling so empowered with her support. She's a serial entrepreneur, a CPA, CMA, and has spent her career working for everything from big national public companies to small startups. She currently owns Upspace, a business that connects people with space to people who need commercial space for hourly and daily rental. She also runs a financial consulting business where she offers cloud-based bookkeeping, virtual CFO services, small business advising, and keynote speaking about all things finance and money. She is so passionate about helping people release themselves from the emotional shackles of money, and I hope you enjoy our talk. If you do, do me a favor and take a minute to rate, comment, and share. Thank you so much. Details on how to find Jen will be below the link in show notes. So thank you for joining me today, Jen. Um, Today I've got you here to talk about money money uh, money and why is it so frigging emotionally charged um so i'll i'll start by getting you to talk about maybe some of the messages you received about money and finance growing up mhm yeah i think you know similar to a lot of people a pretty common one is probably money doesn't grow on trees Oh my God, that's what on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. heard that one a lot, particularly from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the money was a really common one. Anytime something came up, it was like almost a knee-jerk reaction before any consideration. Like, we don't have the money. <laughs> right, yeah. And then um, another one I can think of is like the idea that if you want something, you need to work for it. Yeah. And I know that like everyone has different upbringings and, and circumstances in their families. But I think for me, that was something that was um, pretty strong pretty early on is like, oh, if you want, you know, the same fancy jeans that you're, you know, the kids in your class have, you have to get a job. Or if you want a new bike, you have to get a job and, and, and make money or go do babysitting. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a same rule in our house. My mom would say, or the rule kind of was, you know, if I can buy jeans for $30 and you want the $80 ones, then you have to make up the difference because the only difference is the tag. And so I never cared, but my brother really cared. So he spent all of his money because he wanted the brand. (laughs) And I was like, I didn't like, yeah. You're probably like, I'd rather have two or three pairs of different colors. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Than one with the brand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So those were similar to mine as well. And one was that you'll work really hard and maybe you'll get paid. Mm -hmm. Like my parents were both entrepreneurs, so they worked their butts off and like, you know, just getting by was enough. That's all you could expect. Yes. Yeah. Now, one good thing they taught me, one message I got growing up was always to tuck some away. Mm, Yes. Always to tuck some away for a rainy day. And during COVID, that has come in handy because both in my business and personal finances, I had some money aside. So that was, I will thank them for that. Yeah. And actually, (laughs) now that you mentioned that, I think another another memory that's coming to the surface for me is um, 
I remember my dad, when I did start to get into the workforce, it was, yes, save some, spend some, but also um, donate some. Oh, yes. Yeah. So whether that was like a direct donation to charity or, or time um, spent volunteering. So save some, spend some, and I guess share. <laughs> save some, spend yeah. some, share some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good philosophy as well. A good mindset. Mm -hmm. So some good and some a bit restricting and limiting for sure. A bit of that scarcity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know like what the stats are for this in terms of the generations, but I can imagine that like, you know, my parents' generation probably was very much conditioned in terms of like not having or like always like saving an anticipation that there's going to be something really bad that happens um, to the extreme. Like, of course we want to save for a rainy day, but I think that that generation probably um, doesn't really allow themselves to partake in like treating themselves as much mm -hmm. because there's this idea that like we have to suffer now in case something happens later. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like my parents never um, felt there was value in like spending money on a vacation or stuff like that. They think I'm very indulgent for doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Like we only went on one vacation my entire childhood yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's, we camped, <laughs> camped in like friends' yards and stuff, yeah. fields and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And I think that, that they just didn't have it, but also now they do have it and they still would never spend money on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who do you feel like were the biggest influences? Like, do you feel like it was your family or did you feel that your friends had a good influence on you in terms of your relationship with money or mm. like media? Like we didn't have social media then obviously, but like movies or what you saw on TV, like. Mm. Yeah. I, um, it's funny here. Wow. Well, now, now we feel old, there was no social media, but it's true. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess probably the biggest influence would have been my family because they're the ones that I would have spent the most time with growing up and the ones you have the, like the closest relationships to. Um, friends probably brought on a new perspective in terms of just like opening my eyes to that there's other ways of living. And that could be mm. even more frugal than my family where, you know, they never bought any new clothing. They never bought like everything was always um, secondhand or like figured out with the scraps to the extreme of, um, you know, families having hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt because they always have the newest car or like the newest right. um, gadget. So yeah, everything was finance. Everything was finance, living on the everything debt. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, any kid that is going to any sort of school um, or in any sort of like extracurricular activities is going to get that exposure to different family systems and realize, oh, there's like these other options. And then also when you start working, when you, you're working with your, your coworkers who are your sa the same age as you and they might have different ways that they spend their money. Some of them might be saying, oh, I can't wait till, I can't wait till payday. I have no money. And you're like, why, 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 <laughs> why did you spend all your money in the first weekend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, did you not? This is a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of consistent. Yeah. Like every two weeks we get paid, but yeah, it was so funny how some people would just like the money would disappear and then they'd be borrowing from their friends until payday and then payday would come and they have to pay them back. And then it's like, oh, I have no money again. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would think, I think that family was definitely the strongest followed by friends. And then, Honestly, I don't really remember being influenced by the media in terms of money, like at all. 
I don't I don't remember, you know, like, magazines or books or advertisements no. for no, for brands or trips or anything like that. No. It's no, good. Yeah. yeah. For me, I think immediate family kind of set the like the agreements that I have with money, I think. Like those, you know, work hard, save, you know, that scarcity kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, that comparing to friends. And I remember there always being like you know, if a neighbor or a friend took like a holiday or got a new vehicle or something, there was judgment there. And it probably totally, like was fear totally. on my parents. Yeah. But there was always like, oh, look at them. They're a little high on the horse or whatever, right? Like some judgment. And so I find now I have this mindset where, you know, if people are really going for it or like working hard or being transparent about wanting money and wanting to have enough that I get a bit like it feels a bit skeezy to me yeah yeah Yeah. and I don't like we all need it (laughs) we all have to earn it there's many ways to do that and not all of them are bad like you know you can earn money doing wonderful things for the world but that yeah that like oh that icky bit isn't that funny that's so fascinating yeah I I can actually think of a similar feeling when you know, it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses, like, oh, Bob and Sue got a BMW and <clears throat> look at them and they're so fancy and must be nice, must be nice to have so much money. I think that's a yeah, common thing that nice. I would rem- remember, like hearing people say, oh, it must be nice. Oh, it must be nice. Like, like there's some sort of special unicorn that we can't attain the same status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, there's something wrong with their judgment for having done so or, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if they were smart. Or an assumption that it wasn't paid for up front. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, so interesting. I, even, um, yeah. it's so funny. You're bringing up so many memories for me. Like I can remember um, when I was just finishing, I think I was in my last year of university and I bought myself a condo and I paid, like I saved up for the down payment for this condo. I think I was 21. Yeah, I would have been 21. Um, so it was like, I think it was 20,000 something. I can't remember the exact amount, but I just remember there's a two. So it was 20,000 for the down payment. And, you know, I wrote the check and made the down payment and moved into my condo. And I remember having a housewarming party and like so many people would make the assumption that my parents helped me like, Oh, "Oh, it must be nice like to have your parents help you with. And I'm like, what? No, like I, I did this all by myself. (laughs) So it was like this, and then, and then it turned into the judgment of like, oh, well, like you did this all by yourself. And it's like, yeah, I worked three jobs every summer for the last four summers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. We are so opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember I had a job like from, who knows, my, my parents owned a store growing up. So I always worked, but like babysitting and I worked, yeah, three jobs through high school. And I, the year between like before graduating high school, I spent like, fuck, I think it was like 12 grand I had saved. I spent it all on a summer in Europe with a friend. My parents were so (laughs) upset. And I was like, it's my money. I have spent every friggin' hour outside of school when I'm not sleeping, working. Mm -hmm. And I don't care about the name brand jeans, but I am out of Mm -hmm. here. But I'm sure they were like, not going to pay for your college. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, whatever. (laughs) I could have a condom now, though, (laughs) because I don't I don't own a home now. So 
it's like these choices that I make for like experiences are really important to me. So, but yeah, then I don't have uh, the same amount of assets. Oh, it's all many years it's later, all, it's right? All so it's just different yeah, ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm so like, there's, I didn't send you this question in a head, uh, but anyways, um, it's such a taboo topic and I'm so fascinated by why, like with friends, with family, like I wouldn't even, like, I would never talk to friends about like what their salary is or what my salary is. Or, you know, if you go out for drinks or something and you have a friend that, you know, you can assume based on their profession makes a lot more than you or whatever, and maybe they pick the place and it's expensive and they pick up the tab and then you feel like next time or mm-hmm. like it's it's so interesting and I, and I find too I don't know if you know this this too that people tend to kind of socialize with people who are in a similar financial position mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel good for the person who doesn't have to you know say you have a girl bunch of girlfriends and they're like oh let's go for Manny Petties or whatever and you're like oh that's like bill money like mm-hmm. I can't there's no budget for that uh-huh. yeah and then you don't feel I think yeah. it, I think it comes down to like our super like basic biological need of the clan and like being part of mm-hmm. being part of a tribe right like a tribe yeah reason, I don't yeah. want to be excluded so I'm going to like self self exclude <laughs> from this group and go to the, mm-hmm. the tribe that matches me but then the yeah. problem with that becomes like you know, if you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with and you put yourself in a group because you think that you can't do any better, it's almost like a vicious cycle where you're never going to get better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've definitely been in that situation where on both sides of the coin where I'm on a super tight budget and I'm like, I I would love to spend time with this friend, but like we're limited to bike rides and picnics. <laughs> and then I've been on the other side mm-hmm. where I'm super excited because I have like a great paycheck and like it's just been a really good year. And I'm like, yeah, let's go do, let's go to Vegas for the weekend. And people are like, hold the phone, mm. like Vegas, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's it's so interesting how, you know, both with money and with sex, it's like these two these two topics that just like, that people don't talk about. And I can think of even... Um, my best friend is an example. Like, so when I moved here, I joined a volleyball team to get to know people, and we we both met each other through volleyball. So we've only known each other for three years, which, in terms of adult relationships, is like not a long time, but it's long enough that we formed a pretty mm-hmm. solid friendship. And you know, um, recently, her and I started talking about money, and you know, her getting a raise at work, and like how her and her husband are planning to buy property, and numbers started to come up, and even though I would consider her my best friend, I was still surprised that she was so transparent with me in their financial planning. Mm-hmm. It kind of took me back and I was like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, we're talking about this. Okay. And I didn't have a problem with it, but I kind of like had to take a moment to like adjust to the fact that we were being super transparent about this because it's just so not normal. Yeah. And talking <clears throat> real numbers as opposed to like the concept of, or yeah, yeah. but it isn't, yeah, and there's so much shame around it, right? Like people feel shame if they earn more than their friends or they feel shame if they earn less than their friends. And it's like I, yeah, I love the idea of it just being what it is, like not having so much power. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to ask as well, like in your experience, like do you find that it kind of represents 
power to some people, love to some people. Absolutely. Absolutely. People. Think of like, think of the typical guy in his like soup, like suits. Think of Harvey, right? And his like, have you seen suits? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, like, and don't get me wrong, I freaking love that show. And yeah, but you know, you picture the guy on Wall Street with the expensive suit, and I've got money, and money is power. And you know, you can picture like a single mom with three kids, and like for her, money is making sure that the kids are have a roof over their head and that they're fed. Or for mm-hmm. um, you know, kids where both parents are working all the time, maybe at Christmas time, the kids get just like ridiculous amounts of gifts because the parents may or may not feel guilty that they're not around right so love is gifts um yeah yeah I was thinking about this when I had asked written the question down and I was like I think like part of me thinks security but I think for me when it really comes down to it I feel I always feel secure around money like I've have the privilege of not really ever having to worry I have you know, I could fall back on my parents if I need to, like, so that I think it for me is more love. Like I can remember, um, like we, we didn't have very much money growing up. And so like at Christmas or Easter or whatever, you'd go back to school mm-hmm. and everybody's like itemizing <laughs> their gifts. And I can remember like, you know, Easter, we would usually get a chocolate bunny and a small mm-hmm. toy. And friends of ours would get like a game yeah. system or, you know, and, and part of that is, is choices around like my parents just weren't big on stuff, which I appreciate not having that relationship with stuff now. But um, so when, for me, like when someone spends money on me, like a meal or like, yeah, gets the tab or buys me a little something or whatever, it feels like love mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. which I don't really like, (laughs) like I can remember feeling like, Oh, my parents must not love me as much because they're not spending money on me. Yeah. That makes sense. And I still kind of like have that somewhere and I don't like that. Anybody (laughs) listening that's going to be dating Teresa in the future, make note. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I am looking for a sugar partner. (laughs) That's right. If you want to show me that you love me, shower me with gifts. But then I'm really awkward about receiving gifts too. But but if someone does it in a genuine way, yeah, that it feels like a real mm-hmm. act of love. I think because there was the scarcity mindset, if my parents did buy something, it was like, oh, yeah. I knew they must have thought about that a lot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, like, when you work with people around money, because you do not just numbers, but a lot of coaching, mm-hmm. right? Like that supportive, like emotional piece and helping people th- work through that. What are some common blocks that people have that, that you see kind of holding them back or limiting their ability to, to find that? Mm. abundance? I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Um, it like, it's not, no matter what, it's not going to work out something bad will happen. My friends won't love me. My partner will leave me. Um, Yeah. And it's all really based on living according to a story that they were told rather than according to the story they want to tell themselves. Right. It's amazing that it's so much, so much of those, it's totally about Mm self-worth. 
believing that they're worthy of it, believing that they deserve it, that nothing bad will befall them if they And the challenging thing about that is, oh, I'm like getting goosebumps because you can't Mm -hmm. fix, I I, I don't want to use the word fix, it's a little bit too strong, but you can't address something if you can't even acknowledge it. And so many of the people that I work with, like they're in the, I don't know what I don't know state when it comes to the emotional right. aspect, right? Yeah. So if you you can't even have this conversation, you can't, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot take like, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't take a baby and expect it to run. There's like steps in between. It's like, okay, first we roll over, then we crawl, then we right. like stumble. So having the conversation that we're right. having is totally not on the table if the person hasn't even like realized within themselves that this is something that could be holding them back. Right. Yeah, because it's so layered, many layers. right? And a lot of people want yes. it to be easy. They want it to be like, oh, I got this budgeting app and that's going to fix my problem. I was going to say, didn't you say that to me? Full disclosure. I'm excited. I have a budgeting app. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. You're like, that's, I mean, yeah. And you have like, oh, well, I'll plug my numbers in. And then all of the emotional <laughs> baggage that I have around money. Wouldn't that be great? It disappear if I just figure out. <laughs> Where the dollars and cents go. Yeah. Um, guess what? I mean, you probably already knew, but spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oh fuck. It's gonna it's be gonna messy. Be messy. Uh, it's gonna be messy. And we don't like messy. We like easy. We like Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah. We like order now on the credit card. Think about it later. Yeah. yeah but it's yeah that's and we're so so, like there's so much expectation on us whether it's expectation from parents or expectation from spouses like what if you so let's flip it because we talk about scarcity a lot but what if you are somebody that has a very what what the what would what would be perceived in the public eye as like a successful job like a a very specialized doctor or some sort of lawyer somebody that's like very quote unquote powerful makes a lot of money what if you're that person but you're truly unhappy and you actually just want to be like whatever insert i don't want to like stereotype i don't want to create a stereotype but insert some sort of lower paying job where you don't really care about the money you just want to do the thing that would make you happy but you know that your partner got together with you or decided to make a light with you based on a certain standard of living. Yeah. You know, and that, that, so what if you say to your partner, Oh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And the partner goes, well, I didn't sign up for that. And it's not, it has nothing to do with a sense of entitlement or like, you know, being spoiled. It's just, you know, we agreed to go on this journey together under certain assumptions. And if those assumptions change, then both people have to decide if it's still going to work. And that's a whole, like that is, I'm getting stressed yeah, just uh, thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it really locks people into specific life choices, right? Like, yes. Or yeah. even, like, I can remember even thinking about a career. It was like, well, do something that you know that you can predict, right? You need yeah. a predictable outcome. You mm-hmm. don't want to do, like, especially in our culture, any art because there's mm-hmm. no guarantee. There's no security. Mm-hmm. Um and especially in Ottawa, a lot of people are really security minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people are right. Like that security means more than anything else, but they're fucking miserable. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And feel so powerless. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. That's the entrepreneurial mindset in me is like, I would never. 
<laughs> and you do right like yeah the risk is always worth the biscuit like you gotta try I mean I don't know but that also comes with different level of stress there's also like and I don't want to take too too I don't want to take away too too much time from the core topic but there's this idea of like how we play victims or heroes I'm sure you've thought of mm-hmm. you've like heard of this and the, mm-hmm. the issue is that if I'm a person where I believe that I don't have enough money that becomes my identity oh, so yeah. I'm gonna tell you more money I wish I could get a raise I wish I could start a side hustle my friends are so amazing like he and she did this and that and I want to make more money and you you'll find that when you try and help those people like there's always a there's always a oh but oh but oh but oh but I have this thing with my parents oh but I have this thing with my kids oh but not this month because it's been an expensive month oh but oh but oh but because fundamentally their identity is being broke like that's their identity so to change that is more scary than to just continue living in the broke victim identity whoa (laughs) yeah and this is why like people that people that win the lotto like like in an extreme example you come from poverty you win the lotto and then you're broke two years later because they spent all the money because their insides like their intuition and everything was saying like you don't deserve this money you don't deserve this money so it's like casino trips whatever give it to friends like get rid of it it's icky i don't deserve this money and vice versa you have super like wealthy people that then lose it all on a deal or they go to prison or whatever like all the crazy shenanigans of famous and rich people and they become broke. And then in a year, they're millionaires or billionaires again because money yeah. is attracted to them. And they've decided, like, I'm never going to have an issue with money. Like, I'm always going to have abundance. That, that, like, I'm sorry <laughs> if you don't believe that kind of stuff. But I it's, think there's a well, lot of validity there. There's a lot of research. <laughs> like, even, even among people who win the lottery, like, the suicide rate is really high. Yeah. Because we put this, we attach this value on, if I could just have enough money, if I could just, you know, own this thing or buy this thing or not have a mortgage payment every month, or if I could just take that holiday with my family every year to decompress, or if I could just, and then when you get to that place, and we all like, we all live cheap as students, and then you make more money, and you live on more money, and you know, so it's always a moving target, right? Mm-hmm. But then people get that thing and it doesn't fill them up. It doesn't answer that, feel, yeah, that like emptiness inside. And then it's, yeah, then they're miserable, even though they have the thing that they thought they needed. Yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Truth bomb. <laughs> Truth bomb. There it is. Truth bomb. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was just about a budgeting up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I thought it was just about a budgeting up. Oh man, good tagline. Um, so, do you have any recommendations or like starting points, baby steps, maybe journaling prompts that people could? Yes. Like- how did you know? How did you know? Are you? Is there a camera in here? Are you spying on me? <laughs> uh, yes. Journaling. Journaling 110 million percent. Um, you know, it sounds cliche, but the really the steps are like journaling, meditating, reading, podcasts, opening up to people, uh, you know, whether it's your sister or your best friend or your mentor and just like talking to people because the more you talk to people, the more perspectives you'll get. 
And if those people, you know, hold a safe space for you and there's there's trust involved, you might find that you're not as alone as you think and that there is a way to make things happen. Um, but it all depends on where you're at, I guess, in your stage of money, health. Like if you're one of these people that I described before where you don't know what you don't know, then yeah. talking, you know, to a coach like me or talking to um, a friend, you just might need some time to yourself to sit with your own thoughts and figure out what's actually going on. And that's where the journaling can come in really handy. So maybe um, <clears throat> journaling in full disclosure is not something that I always did. I'm an accountant by training and I started my university career in engineering. So I'm very right. right <laughs> is right brain the... Oh, I can't like, remember right or left. Yeah, but I'm the, log the logical side. Yeah, I'm very much the logical side. <laughs> I'm like, what's a chakra? Which is why I love you. Because <laughs> I am the opposite half of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Together we form a whole. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, journaling and meditating and all this was really a process and it didn't happen overnight. It's been years. In fact, I just had a bit of like a ceremony where I burned my first journal. Um, <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> like oh. page by page. And I just like oh kind of God. acknowledged what had happened and where I'd come from and what had how I'd progressed. Um, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of tears. I've definitely had those ceremonies over the years. Journaling is a lifeline for me for a decade now. Yeah, yeah. And so I would mm -hmm. recommend, you know, if you're somebody that just has no idea, just get a, get a friggin' notebook from the dollar store and some pens yeah. and just sit in your bed or sit on your couch and write, I guess I should journal. Like literally write out, I guess I should yeah. journal. And it's going to seem so ridiculous, but you're like, okay. And then you can write something like, I don't feel good about money. And then the thing is like, once you start writing, your your brain and your hand will kind of just take over and you don't need to think about it. But if you don't start, yeah. you're not going to see anything happen. So you need to at least start. And maybe you just write down one sentence and you're like, I need to journal. And you're like, nope, not happening. But then you try it the next day and you try it the next day. And it's like push-ups. Like I couldn't do a single push-up to save my life for the longest time. And so one day I was like, okay, one push-up. And then the next day, two push-ups. And then the next day was back to one because I was really sore. Um, <laughs> <That's over. laughs> but it's like baby steps, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I can remember when I first started journaling, I was like the thought of having my inside thoughts on paper was like <laughs> forget it like someone can come and read this I don't fucking think so like that thought has been buried deep yes um so yeah so I started with a very like superficial like um yeah yeah things that I would be okay with people finding uh, reading yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. and then over time it just was able to get deeper and more self oh I'm hearing an echo or something all of a sudden um I could like just self-explore more and and now I do flow of consciousness journaling mm -hmm. which is literally just pen on paper whatever comes I I sometimes will try and go back and read and I'm like well that mind is a crazy place <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense after the fact but it's just getting the thoughts and fears and all of that out of, out of my head yeah and so I have the same experience actually sometimes I find that my hand is writing but it's not legible like I'm, yeah. I have so much to say 
to my pen and paper. That sounds so silly, but I have so much to say to my pen and paper that like my hand can't write fast enough. And it just like, it's writing, but it's not legible. It's like legitimately not legible at all, but I'm, I yeah. still go, like I still go through the motions. Yeah, yeah. totally. And sometimes like if I'm angry, my writing will be really big. <laughs> <laughs> It'll start it really neat and tidy. And then the emotions come and the, the, look of the handwriting changes as it's yeah, processing stuff okay that's awesome um so journaling and yeah talking about it is huge mm -hmm. right like shame loves shadows so if you keep all these things inside of you and never tell anybody and think that you're the only one it's only going to get worse mm -hmm. so just talking 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 mm -hmm. absolutely with safe people yep. awesome Cool. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. The time went by very fast. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, and that's some golden nuggets. So I'm going to put your information on the notes below the link so people can find cool. you. And uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. <laughs> Good Bye. night.